Do you like to read? Are you tired of the podcasts out there that just skim the surface of books? Or how about the book clubs that are designed to just get you to buy the book? Yeah, we were tired of those too. My name is Alan, and along with my friend Phil, I was tired of all of those superficial discussions of books. We wanted something deeper. So we created this podcast for us to discuss what we wanted, to dive deep into the books we read. Are you ready? Because this ain't your mother's book club. This is Two Dudes with an Opinion. I think you're fine. Thank you. Don't worry too much. I was trying to put my head right in the middle of the peak. <laughs> your peak ego. <laughs> I'm so ego. Oh, totally ego. But I'm also simple. Simple. Mama said, just be a simple man. I mean, I have to agree with that statement. I mean, it's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Well, I know you like it. Phil. I like simple. Simplify this line of code, please. <laughs> Which, you know, dovetails very nicely into our topic today. Which is so? So we're discussing. We're st- we're we're continuing our discussion of extreme ownership. Uh, it's the discussion that will never end. <laughs> <laughs> we're in chapter six. Should I we love start it, doing though. like two a week or something? I'm having fun with it. I was thinking about that. Um, uh, I was going to try and uh, schedule another one with you this week. Um, yes. but we'll we'll have to we'll, we'll talk uh in a little bit about recording schedules and stuff. Um, it's just the way things have fallen lately have been a little annoying <laughs> to say the least. We're <laughs> so busy. Everybody oh, wants hey. your attention. Actually. Yeah. That's kind of a weird thing for me. How many people want my, my attention though. Really the hardest thing right now for me is that, uh, so since, uh, starting full time at, the hard, hardest thing I've been having is getting a good schedule going, like just trying to figure it out because what I, uh, what I am finding, uh, which I've always known, but I, and, but I always need a reminder of is humans are really, really terrible at, um, at estimating how long it takes to do things. So when I set my schedule for the day for, um, for my general work, I like, really underestimate how long it's going to take me to do a certain certain tasks and then i like by the end of the day i like i've been working all day but like what actually got completed is a very small amount of things and it's kind of you know it's one of those like hmm i think there needs to like i need to optimize somehow and figure it out there's I don't know. I'll figure, I, I gotta go. I'll, I probably should go back and reread. Yeah. Time boxing is always a good thing. I love time boxing. Uh, Phil just asked me about um, putting it in uh, or if, the time yeah. box concept. I, I struggle with that because I like the idea of only giving myself five minutes to do a task or I might do for an hour. Yeah. Right. But um, there's also something beautiful to fill in an hour with the task you do in five minutes. Yeah. 
There, that's what it's called. So what he what, what you're referring to is what's called Parkinson's law. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, it basically states that the work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. So basically, whatever task you set aside and, and do, uh, if you say, all right, I'm going to go and record a podcast for two hours that recording is going to take up all two hours. But Another if you go, half. what, what? Two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. But if you go and you say, all right, I'm only going to do it for 30 minutes, it's only going to take that amount of time. And that's why, um, that's why time boxing it can be such a powerful tool for uh, productivity and such. Uh, I'm a fan of it. I, I just don't know that the tasks, tasks, that I'm doing right now um, lend themselves very well to time boxing. Or maybe I should say I don't have a good concept on how long it takes me to do something uh, to be able to time box properly. Um, so anyway, what I should probably do is actually sit down and write some data and track my time better. So anyway, feels like, That's yeah, you should. It starts there. <laughs> metrics accountability yeah. accountability is huge um we should at some point uh read what measure what matters we should read that one too that's yeah. a good one for what i've heard uh it's really cool or uh, cool concept i've read a lot of summaries of it so anyway talking about simple so we are basically um We've been going through extreme ownership and we're, all, we're about halfway through or after this episode, we'll be halfway through. And today's chapter is about simple, which we kind of talked about at the beginning. And I will be blunt. This is my favorite chapter of the entire book. I think it is uh, highly, highly undervalued by everybody. Uh, I, like, I, I don't think people fully understand how important it is and how powerful of a tool it is. Um, do, 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 Boring. I think there should have been a 2K plan. I think it should have been a 15K plan. Yeah, sure. Fine. Okay. <laughs> so I'll come back with two people. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, okay. So, you already. Have you seen yeah, um they don't care. What was that? The Monsters Incorporated. Have you seen when they that set the I think it was the second one where okay. they had to do the race to um win the little monsters challenge? And they're throwing no. the, the sticky bombs at them? I don't remember it. I okay, so this is too long ago. It is yeah, it probably dates me. But there's yeah. this old movie called Monsters Incorporated, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's and, Pixar. Uh, Pixar, it's, it's Pixar, so it's forever. Um, so, at least for old people. Uh, Except so, some of their new stuff is just crap. Eh, you know, they got bought out or something. They traded their soul for something. They but, have a very interesting business story that we can get into at some point, but go on. Oh, that'd be fun, case study. Oh, it, it, it's a cool case study. It's really interesting. But um, I'm laughing because the um, they, there's, uh, they had to race as a team and the the the, two, the little guy with the big eye and the big monster, the big fuzzy one, uh, they're racing out between each other, and they totally left their team behind. And they didn't even listen to the rules to realize the team had to go together. 
they're so busy fighting with each other. Yeah. Um, nothing to do with keep it simple, but it just comes to mind. <laughs> well, you know, it actually is kind of interesting because the anecdote that they start the um, the chapter off with is basically. Uh, I don't quite remember all of the details. You might be able to pick up a bunch of them. We, uh, Jocko is, and, and Leif are in Ramadi as normal. Like all of their stories are pretty much from Ramadi, most of them. Uh, and one of the things that they uh, happens is this young uh, officer comes and he's not a Navy SEAL officer. He's a uh, conventional officer, if I remember correctly. I thought um, he was a SEAL officer, but I might be wrong. Well, maybe, let me grab my book and we can double check. While you're grabbing the book, I'll, I'll do a little bit of background. So this this young uh, mid-officer um, was trying to he, – he hadn't gone through combat yet, so but he had trained some Iraqi soldiers and he had his crew of SEALs and he was gun ho right? So he planned to do a 2K uh, patrol, which he thought was, okay, 2K, this is, this is nothing – um, but he was about to go through five different command zones with different radio frequencies, different support, different requirements. And these guys are already where they're trying to project their power. And the bad guys have essentially uh, gotten wind of that, know what's going on, and are really tactically uh, combating people. So the um, he just, the the young officer lieutenant wanted to do just in his mind just a quick two kilometer patrol, right? Where he's just going to show his presence and go through. He didn't think he's probably going to get lit up. Um, and I think I can leave it to the big man from here. <laughs> um, yeah, he was an army officer. Okay. Yeah, uh, but he did have a SEAL contingent with him. Um, where'd you leave off? Sorry. Uh, so he, he was planning to do a 2k. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I didn't get into any details from that. Uh, so yes. And he, he had this really long route drafted up and it was complicated as heck. And it was, it, yeah. Yeah. It was complicated. And as Phil pointed out, it like it went through multiple zones and stuff. And I don't remember. I think it was Yeah, Jocko. Jocko kind of approached him and was like, uh, dude, this is complicated. Stop what you're doing. And he was incredulous. He was just out there like, oh, come on. It's not that bad. We can do it. We can do this in like what he was saying something like it was like, we could do this in an hour or something stupid like that. It's 2K. You can do this in a 20 minute jog, like 20 minute walk. Yeah. But it being a patrol, I mean, I'm I'm sure they want to like walk around and look at things and stuff. But anyway, it's very quick. Um, all things considered, but Jocko was sitting there like, no, you've never been here. You don't know what you're doing. So listen to me and make it simpler, like cut it down. I think he says, uh, American, yeah, this is the funny part. Speaking of, um, 
the route that he planned went through multiple battle spaces owned by um, many different American units to include two U.S. Army companies, an Army battalion, and a U.S. Marine Corps company. And I'm just like reading these. I was just like, this dude. Yeah, I'm imagining five different zones, all different radio frequencies. Yes. You know, sure, a sniper can cover 20 miles if he can see it, maybe, right? But no. (laughs) So he would have suffered if he went a kilometer out. Yep. And and Jaku goes to him and is like, we need to simplify this a little bit. And the guy responds, simplify? It's just a patrol. How complex can it get? Like, it's like, like famous last words. Could have been. I mean, we've all we've all seen the war movies. We we know how this can it can happen and escalate very quickly. Like you can you start with something simple and then and you think it's simple and you just dismiss it as as that or, or and I don't mean like the plan being simple. I mean just the 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 general concept of doing a patrol for them is simple like it to them it's routine maybe i should use the word routine to refer to it but anyway it's like yeah it may be just a patrol but no so he sits there and like they 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 talk back and forth and the officer is like trying to argue his point with jocko and jocko is like sitting there being firm with him like no this is your first patrol your first patrol is an officer your first one here in this battle space let's keep it small let's just focus on one little area stay in our zone (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So he, he relented. Uh, the 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 patrol uh, patrolling officer relented and was like, "Okay, fine, whatever, we'll do it." So the funny part is, um, I think a conti- uh, actually, I don't think I know a small contingent of seals went with them uh, as mm-hmm. well. And as they're going through, I think it's like within a couple of minutes of the uh, the patrol going out they the the people back in the base here gunfire (laughs) less than three minutes it's very quick and next thing he you hear or jaga says that he hears is on the radio is uh we need to get out of here i think they call they call it case fact which is if i remember correctly yeah so he had a couple couple of iraqis shot casually evacuation yeah no no keep going you got that uh, so yeah, yeah, a couple of Iraqis shot up. Um, they abandoned them. Their own troops abandoned their own guys. Yep. So the the Marines pulled up, pulled, uh, got a hold of them and rescued them. Uh, ended up being that the only casualties, and it was one of the Iraqis. The other one survived, um, but only uh, he, he planned for two hundred meters, and he didn't make two hundred meters. Not even remotely. Yeah, and his goal was around two k. So. It's a uh, it's an interesting story where had he not simplified and if they had, you know, I'm guessing maybe he got out and started to look like he's turning back. And that's when the, the, the enemies hit him because they're planning to see how far out they could get him yeah. before they could could do that. I bet. The, I mean, if I'm if I'm a bad guy, I'd be like, you know, if I was planning it, um, I would definitely wait for them to get as far out as possible. Yeah, I would try to box in their equipment. Yep. And I would just have fun, right? A new LT. If I and they believe me, they know who's who's in there, right? They have they're not a rag at this point. They're not fighting idiots, 
So they probably know yeah. who's who's what and who's new, right? They recognize when new people are coming into base. You can't you can't really hide when you're in these bases, right? Yep. You're sitting out there in the open, and the um, sure there's some some walls, but uh, there's nothing secret. So the uh, I, I think they probably knew they had some fresh meat to play with. Hmm. And uh, if they had gotten, if he had gotten to uh, a click out, that would have just been, been bloodbath. Chew toys, yeah, bloodbath. So it might have been the opposite of <laughs> of the casualties they had. Yeah, and the, like the bloodbath would have resulted not just because of, because of like the tactics that Phil was lying laying out, but also they would have been trying to change change transmissions. They to like radio signals to talk to whoever is in charge of that battle space. They'd have to be trying to figure coordinate their cat, the Kazvac with everything with the oh, yeah, new they people. Wouldn't have sniper overwatch. They wouldn't have you know, exactly. they might not even had the uh, seal seal guys with them. Yeah. Right? Because uh, Jocko probably would have been like, water. I'm not sending my troops with you because you're stupid. Yeah. yeah I'm not going to send them. You go take your guys in suicide. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think, I think what would have happened if uh, the guy didn't relent is that Jocko would have just kicked him out of his area. Yeah. That's a good point. I think he kind of was playing nice and was trying to, you know, not override him. But I think like he did with the other guys, he would have just not supported him and kicked him out of the area. Yeah, Jocko is pretty good, or seems to be pretty good about that stuff too. Like he he knows when to to draw the line and be like, "I'm done. We're not playing this anymore." Um, it's kind of nice. So overall, the the whole principle and the whole concept behind all of this is simple. Like simplify, keep things easy to accomplish, and like a boring. Oh, please. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll I'll let you care on how exciting simple is. I love simplicity. Like it's just ah, it's one of those things where I, I really do think it is completely and utterly underrated how important simplicity is and, and keeping things so small and, and and just easy to um to i don't know what you call it like to accomplish to do things to understand like keep bringing things down to like a, such a, a small level and, and being able to communicate thing your 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 ideas your talks your whatever you want to other people is just highly highly underrated skill i mean i can tell you straight up uh, one of the worst app, some of the worst apps that I've ever worked on or built um, are when things get overly complicated and overly engineered. And when you get things that are like that super over engineered, it becomes very hard to track down bugs or add in new features or um it's just so frustrating at that point and it, it costs it ends up costing the client or or your company money because you're not keeping things simple and, and i mean that for like absolutely every aspect of business and and life even just try to keep things simple i, I mean so you have kids if you want to tell your kids to do something how do you do it 
Well, first of all, I tell them the opposite of what I want them to do. <laughs> Reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah. So after that, I first comp- confuse them by talking fast and over their head. And then <laughs> when they finally pay attention to me and stop spinning, <laughs> I give them very simple requirements. There you go. There you go. So but I'm it, trying to raise a, a small group of narcissists. How does that make them narcissists? Oh, uh, just by making it very simple, teaching them, spinning them up and then toning them down. That's right. <laughs> First you confuse their emotions and then you control them. <laughs> you mean manipulators and manipulative kids. Whatever. Whatever. You teach them the ways of the world. <laughs> I mean, that, isn't that our next book? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just uh, overall, I, I can't tell you. So I can't tell you how how frustrating it is when I when I walk into a team or I'm talking with somebody and like uh, some sort of leader and and they're talking about this big lengthy process of doing things and it's just overly complex. Like I'll put. A great example from my um, from my personal experience is I was working on an app and the app had code for four different products uh, across four different platforms for a couple of different uh, uh, different uh, cl- I wouldn't say clients um, brands there we go brands a couple of different brands and we the team had this really nice build system this build process of putting of getting everything together and and, and pumping out our the the um, the app to send over to the QA team and to eventually end up in the play store and all that stuff. And all four platforms, everything stayed on the same version. And, and we very deliberately did that because we needed to know what ver like we really needed to know, Hey, this version is this and it covers and it touches all of the other code. Well, what ended up happening is this, um, this idiot came in. I mean, he just, oh, he was so stupid. Um, and they, he got placed as a leader and basically berated and browbeat the team into doing his, what he wanted. And he was like, I want everything to be completely and utterly separate. All four products ended up on a separate, uh, separate, what do you call it? Uh, versions. And the build process or the process for building one of the like the apps out just became extremely complicated and it was confusing for us. And we we were constantly getting tickets back from QA about, hey, this is happening here and you need to go fix the bug. And we'd go and we'd try to figure out we'd spend like a good a couple of hours trying to figure out where the bug was and what what build the bug was on and we couldn't figure it out oftentimes and it was kind of one of those situations where uh we 
we'd be like, well, it looks fixed or it's not happening here. What's going on? And then like we, we spend an hour or so spinning our wheels on that. And then we finally get a good discussion with somebody and then we'd, we'd realize, oh, it's on this version. Then we go to that version. And then we would have to try and make sure that it ended up in all of the appropriate other versions. And then on top of that, what was even more hilarious is some uh, new people came on to the team and this idiot tasked them with, hey, go create builds. And they got confused with how to create the builds they had no idea so they had to try it like multiple times before yeah, they got making it right builds should totally be a junior dev thing it should be extremely simple like i'm serious creating a build in an ideal world creating a build for a release should be as simple as pressing a button that's what it should be that's the absolute like best scenario best case scenario for your product is you you want to create a build you just press a button and it builds pops out that's it nothing else like but this guy when it came in and just overly complicated the process and confused everybody about it and it caught like i said it caused us a ton of issues and uh, it's still causing issues for 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 the team and i'm like we had this so nice and compact and simple. It was so clear cut as to what we were doing. And you just effed it all up. Like, do, do you not see what happened? And yeah, like that, that's, that's just an example of like, you need to keep your processes simple. You need to keep your communication simple. Like when you're talking, like, talking to kids, like when, when you're talking to, when you are, if you are a team leader and you are talking to somebody who's under you, you need to be very clear to them about what your expectations are. And they need to be simple. Like it needs to be simple because otherwise they're going to go and screw up. And if you are a junior talking to the leader, then you can't like, they don't see. And this is one of the other, uh, another thing. All right. So I'm like, I'm just ranting right now about simplicity and stuff. And Phil's just sitting here enjoying my rant because I have ranted to him about this before. Um, although I'm waiting for him right now because he's just writing something down. Come on. No, no, you, I'm having uh, fun. You're going to ruin my rant. Fact, no, no, you, you keep going. Okay. So in software development, what we often, what we very often have is uh, the agile system. Like we follow a, a, the agile system, uh, system, and that calls for what we, what are uh, for daily standups, which is where the team gets together and tells the the team, "This is what I did yesterday. This is what I'm planning on doing today. I'm stuck at this or whatever." Now. Very often what happens because engineers tend to be very detail-oriented people is we go to these uh, stand-ups and stuff and, excuse me, um, yeah, uh, we go to these stand-ups and engineers get bogged down in the details with things and they just want to tell the entire team, all of the details of some issue that they're working on. And that's not the appropriate time to do it. Standup is definitely not the appropriate time to do it because what ends up happening at that point is the project product owner or the project manager comes in and they're trying to talk to the team and they get confused because the engineer is 
giving them, giving a, a fire hose of technical information and the product owner or the project manager, that's not their wheelhouse. That's not like, they're not necessarily a technical person. They don't, they're not going to sit there and understand that, oh, the server went down because we did this, this, and this. Like, they're not going to understand that. They just, all they want to know is servers down, we are working on a solution. We should have something up in, or we should have the solution up within four hours. That's what they want. That's what they need. That is a simple report. And like too often I saw in, in standups and I'm repeating myself, but I see like the engineers going in and just like fire hose of information and stuff. And it's like, Yes, I get it. It's often better to have too like to give too much information than too little because you don't want to give too little and have somebody try and ask you questions and draw information out of you. But you also don't yeah, want to give too much. Over inform the whole dang team that's not involved. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You're wasting their time. Exactly, and that's that's the big thing. Like you're wasting their time. You you need to show them respect by not doing that. So they you need, need to get to, be- to work and fix the other problems before you have a second fire to put out. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's an example of going, uh, of talking up the chain and everything and, and, and like giving simple reports and simple feedback and, and things like that. I mean, reading, writing your code, uh, I had, I, at one point I was, uh, I put up a PR and, and I had a, uh, I was calling a function and I had created two throwaway variables right before calling that function and pass the two variables into that function. And somebody commented, well, why don't you call, why don't you call the functions within that function? I'm like, and and my response was basically, yes, I get it. I know it's a few more lines of code and it, and I could do that, but what's more important is maintainability and readability and keeping it very simple so that when you are reading through the code, you know exactly what is going on. So, and this, and this is kind of like a paradox of uh, simplicity too, or as Jocko might call it, a dichotomy. Um, there's like, when you're writing code, something that's simple may end up being more lines of code. Like you're, the concept of simple is not necessarily, necessarily brevity because that's what a lot of people will equate simplicity with. And that's not necessarily true. Simplicity is very much uh, goes to the heart of understanding and making sure that you are properly communicating things to people so that they understand what you are talking about. So even though your code, if you're writing, sometimes when you're writing very simple code, sometimes it might take 10 lines of code to write something simple. Whereas you could probably squash that down into two lines of code. But the issue is that when you squash it down to two lines of code, at that point, what is the cognitive overhead or the cognitive load on the person who comes in later? And it's most likely going to be you to try and understand what you just wrote. That's the issue. And when, when, they're, uh, when the cognitive load to understand something later is higher than the number of lines of code, essentially, then you need to increase your number of lines of code to make it simple to understand. Our compile, like people will sit there and are like, oh, you need to write super performant code. And I'm like, first off, that's a no, lie. No, and you're not an today's equipment. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you're first off, that's a lie. And you're an idiot if you believe that. 
And I'm dead serious because as Phil just pointed out, today's technology is amazing. I've got a MacBook Pro right now operating 64 gigabytes of RAM. Take that in for a moment and think about that. 64 gigabytes of RAM. And I know that there are computer builds out there that could go higher than that for RAM. Our technology today is absolutely insane. And it's only getting better. So you do not, you absolutely do not need to write super performant code. Like that's about ego. The super performant code is really like me saying, I am such a bad mofo. Yes. My code is so efficient. And I spent 32 hours making this function perfect. It only cost them 20 years of server time. Yes. You know, they could have tripled their their return by buying three servers. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's it's so dumb to me. And the other aspect of it is the compilers nowadays are super intelligent. Like, they can really streamline your code for you. Now, I will say, there are times and places for performant code, and there are times and places when you are going, like when you need that proper performance and stuff, and you can start taking into account those, like streamlining that code. And usually that's in the case of uh, the user experience. Like if the user experience starts to suffer and you sit there and you have like all of your other ducks in in a row. And that's the other aspect of it, too, is it's like you need to have the entire app together first. And you you need to have all of your ducks in 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 a row first. And then you can address the lags and go and look at the lags. So anyway, that is my long, probably 15, 20 minute rant on simplicity in a lot of different aspects of things. And like I said, like like I said, this is my favorite chapter. I, I really believe this concept is super underutilized and, and, and under understood. So, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even though I say it's boring and not sexy as my taking 32 hours to create a, a 5% efficiency boost. Uh, <laughs> you know, and you know the funny part is like maybe that 5% efficiency boost for somebody in somebody's use case equates to a million dollars. Like maybe. True. But maybe get them to that million dollars first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's very know, true. There's a time and place for it. I like the way you said that first you get the project done and then you simplify because you might, sp- I might spend 32 hours on simplifying something and yep. they may not ever implement that feature yep. that I wasted a lot of resources on yep. uh, just to come back and say, I did good around Thanksgiving dinner table. Yep. So I, um, I like keeping it simple. I like making my code that I can just, throw it away if I, if it doesn't work and if it does stick then go make it better if it should be because you don't know how efficient something's going to be until you start using it you can true. do all your big old notation that you want right um as long as you're not doing something ridiculous <laughs> right uh <laughs> you know you, you you start somewhere right <laughs> but um yeah yeah i think you know just I hate to say, keep it simple, keep it boring, and then do sexy later. 
Yeah. Yeah. I do like your, I, I like how you brought up the throw away your code thing. Cause it's one of those things uh, I do think programmers have a really hard time with. And in a lot of ways, it's probably a lot of other industries as well, where people become very attached to what they create. And when they become attached to, attached to what they create. And, you know, maybe we have talked about this before, but let's, whatever, we'll, we'll go over it again. When they, when people become attached to what they create, they start to identify themselves with that and, and it becomes a part of who they are. And then when you go to throw it away or you go to change it, they get very upset over it because it's, uh, because it is attached to their identity and who they are. They feel like you're attacking them. And I will be like, I'll be honest, when I first started out programming and, and such, and I still struggle with this on occasion, um, I have to like, I, I was very attached to my to the code that I was writing. I was very attached to the stuff that it did. And so when someone gave me negative feedback, it was hard to deal with. And like I said, I still sometimes do that, deal with that today. So uh, a little tip for people who, who are doing that, when you get negative feedback on um, something you were, you were working on, read it and then give yourself time. Do not act on that negative feedback immediately. Give yourself... I would no, say you make a video, you rant, you TikTok it, you YouTube it, you paste it to the spam it everywhere, and then you realize you misread what they were trying to say. Yeah, it's so exactly. much better to ask forgiveness than to do it right in the first place. Exactly. Do what Phil said, not what I said. Phil's the smart one here, not me. Yeah, you know, my emotional intelligence is way up there. I'm not even calling that emotional intelligence. I have I'm just think of it more as personal management. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, I don't deal with stress in my life. Other people deal with my lack of ability to deal with stress. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So when, yeah, when you, when you feel like, I, I really did like what you said about, so you could throw away your code because that's, if you become detached from your code, it becomes super easy for you to write code that's bad and then come back later, improve on it and throw throw out the old uh, code later. I actually, it was funny. There was a, I, there was this guy who uh, told me a long time ago, um, if you do not, if you write code and then come back and look at it six months later and you do not, dislike that code. So you, you come and you look at it and, and you, you're still fond of that code. You're doing it wrong. Like you should be improving month after month after month. And you should always look back at your code six months ago and say it's terrible and want to re and, and want to do something better. So it's, um, like, I think that's, that's a very important concept, uh, that I, I got taught. Uh, young and it, you know, and a lot of it, and, and again, like I'm talking a lot of this stuff in the in the idea of, in the concept of programming and everything, but that's because that's the industry I know. But I also know that that, that can be expanded to many other things. Like if you're a writer and you're and you wrote um, 
an article six months ago and you go and you look at it, you should be able to find something wrong with that article and improve on it. Um, yeah. Say what you, yeah. The, uh, I have not listened to myself or looked at something I've done six or months or 18 months ago when said, yeah, I was the best I ever could have been back then. There's a song. <laughs> I don't believe it that. Right, the, the, you're, what's that song, Lady Gaga? You're the best now that you need to be, or something like that. Oh, I don't um, know. I think I I'm butchering stopped, it because I, think I stopped it's listening but. to her ten years ago. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, I don't particularly care for most of her music these days. But I will say she did a duet album with Tony Bennett, and oh my gosh, it's so good! Oh, it's so good. Out. You need to check it out. Holy cow! Like I think that is her best ever and it actually shows that she can she knows music and can sing so while i don't really care for most of her music i can respect her as a a singer and artist partly because of that album so anyway Uh, side tangent night and day i think that's it because it is just awesome tony bennett how funny would that be if she sponsors you yeah, there is Tony. Uh Cheek to Cheek is one album. But they like they 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 do anything goes, Cheek to Cheek, Nature Boy, I can't give you anything, uh, I won't dance. Uh it it don't mean a thing. Like it's all the good classics and um it's just she yeah, she does such a fantastic job. And of course, it's Tony Bennett. So, you know, he's doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Going to teach her a few things. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because like I, I go and I watch the music videos between or I've gone and watched the music videos of those. And um, she uh, you can tell from the music videos that the two of them are having a lot of fun doing what they're doing. Like, it's really cool. So. Anyway, geez, 26 million, 27 million listens. Anyway, back to our topic. (laughs) So So, what or do we want to talk about the um, the business anecdote that they talk that they dove into? Yeah, I like that one. Go for it. um, So they they have a um, they're talking about an engineer um, engineering company where they produce, say, sprockets. I didn't really understand what they're making. Um, but I they had a few lines of products. Yeah, I think so too. But they had a few products with some variation in there. So it's, it's not very complicated uh, in their opinion. But they somehow made this amazingly complex um, bonus plan. And it starts off with a guy saying, look, I got a bigger bonus last week. I did as much work. No, I got a bigger bonus this week than I did last week. And this week I didn't do any more work. So obviously yeah. the trick is not to work harder. <laughs> but then they're like, do you understand how it works? And everybody's like, I have no idea how it works. Right. I like, I didn't do anything different this week versus last week. And I get, it's never the same when I get paid. So, uh, Le- um, Leaf, Leaf on this one, or was it Jocko? I'm guessing uh, this it's, is. It's Jocko. This is Jocko. So well, Jocko I, goes to them. Yeah. I, yeah, I it's tr- yeah. It's Jocko. The, the value of having the printed book in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> so Jocko goes to the, the management team and says, can you explain this plan to me? And they, they go, okay, well, admittedly, it's a little complex. And he's going through it. And he's like, wow, that's insane. That's so easy. And they're like, right? And he's like, no, <laughs> no. And, and it, it was like, one one day it'd be this thing and another day they're looking at the amount of this that you do and then it's you know your your rate over three months and uh i mean like if i try to make spaghetti code i could have done it so well <laughs> right so he finally he finally convinces them that they have to simplify it and they had a hard time with it because um they're like well if the guys tried they could understand what the process is Right. And he says, look, everybody goes to the simplest path, the simplest path possible. Right. The, the path of least resistance. And the and it was true. Right. When he's talking to the guys, they're like, I don't care about the budget, the the bonus as much as what it takes to figure out what it is. Right. They didn't even care to figure out what their process was. Never mind how to get that. But to get that bonus. And so through some you know, badgering, uh, they finally come back and come up with a new process where they, they pegged the, um, they pegged the demands of the bonus to one key, um, key process over a week. And then they put a bulletin board, what that was. So everybody knew, knew what their target for the week was. And then they made the, uh, instead of a three month process for checking, um, performance, how good or bad they were, uh, on their quality, they made it a month process, and uh, apparently it was massively successful. They ended up letting go some some poor performers, and uh, it was just great. Yeah. Uh, did I paraphrase that fairly well? You did. There are a couple of points in here, though, that I would like to or, or I would like to pull out. Um, it's just like I would call them sidebar things as uh, of it, but. Yeah, they say they posted that and immediately they had an increase in productivity and stuff. And it's kind of interesting, too, because um, there's a phrase uh, in in government where uh, what you incentivize, you get more of. And so if you if there are products and such that you want more of, like you want more. you want more of Sprocket A, then you need so to incentivize. More um, uh, fatherless homes. Yeah. Right? What you do is you make it so it's easy to go in there. <laughs> you, you pay the mother more without a daddy attached than with a daddy attached. You get rid of all the tax benefits of marriage. And then do it even better. You say, marriage is whatever you want. <laughs> we went there. <laughs> I think that was your first one too. It was my first one. I'm so proud. I'm doing much better. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so in the business world, <laughs> if you want Sprocket S, <laughs> then you attach a bonus to Sprocket S and you're going to get Sprocket S. So anyway, yeah. And they, you give it a week. Uh, in this case, you give it a week, and by the end of the week, people are good at Sprocket S. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, and then, it, so what's interesting too is if you look at the market, and the market is starting to demand Sprocket B, 
and you want more of it. And so you incentivize it that next week. But then in a couple of weeks, let's say some like Sprocket S is back in demand and you switch over and you incentivize Sprocket S, it doesn't matter. People still have the skills for that. And so you're you your overall, your pro, like not just your productivity, not just the, well, you know, a measure of productivity is also a measure of quality. Um, but like your quality is going up as well on each of these uh, products because again, you're incentivizing those products. And so things are going to get better at it because the more that you do something, the better. Yeah, we can go back and we can talk about like Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, which is a fallacy. But anyway, um, it gets the point. Yes, it is. Okay. It's perfect practice makes perfect results yes but it's really not perfect practice it's deliberate practice and that is the the key and it's not 10,000 hours 10,000 hours what how many hours is it it's arbitrary it's completely and utterly arbitrary Um, I'm not a fan of that I would like simple yeah, the the like Gladwell came up with the ten thousand hour rule as not really a rule and more as a guideline of it's deliberate practice for a, a, like deliberate consistent practice. That's what is what gets you to be an expert at something. And he ten thousand hours is just a, a good round number to shoot for. Um, but anyway. Uh, so like you do that in the qual like everything is starting to go up. And, and you just get better and better and better. And then as like Phil pointed out, just the lower employees just ended up falling off the the, the wagon because they couldn't keep up. And that, and that happens. And, and it's kind of like uh, the, remember a couple of chapters ago, we were talking about the sales team and how the sales, uh, the sales chief changed the sales incentive structure and they ended up, uh, increasing their sales uh, through the roof and all of the poor performers ended up getting let go. It's a lot along those lines. Like you, you have to be a, you have to be uh, able to lose or willing to lose some people in order to get better and more productive at things. It's like, pr- it literally is pruning. Um, when, so uh, Phil, are you a gardener by any chance? I do not have a green thumb, but I have played in a lot of dirt. Oh, well, I'm not surprised about the dirt part. Um, the green thumb part, I, I don't know. Uh, basically, what you do in what you want to do in gardening and cultivation in general is as you're going, you, you walk your garden every so often and you, and you look at it and you look for the, the dead stuff or the stuff that's dying. And, and the whole idea is to... Um, prune away the bad stuff because once you prune away the bad stuff, you're making room at that point for good stuff to grow back and grow in. And you're actually encouraging that as well because you're taking away, because maybe that that leaf that you see, see starting to wilt has a disease on it and it's not going to get, and you pruning that leaf off helps prevent the rest of the plant from becoming diseased or other plants in the vicinity from becoming coming disease as well. So like that's what you do with a lot of these things as well. You're you're incentivizing the good so that you can prune away the 
the bad stuff and, and prune away the poor things. Like it's just very important to do yeah, that. It's so nice that you didn't talk about like gangrene and having to cut off your leg and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah there's that too. I didn't even actually think about that. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Like you get a wound and if you don't treat it properly and it becomes infected, you have to cut you have to cut it off or you have to cut out the bad the the infected area because otherwise guess what? You die. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I wanted to pull out um, is like Jocko has this discussion where so he does point. He does talk about the incentive, incentivizing things, and, and basically putting like rats in a maze. And rats do better when they're given sugar because uh, you know everybody loves sugar, apparently. Um, but and it's like it's a little bit uh, extreme, I would say, because humans aren't that simple, but they are. It's it's weird. Um, hence the whole, the, what you, you get more of what you incentivize or what you incentivize, you get more of. Uh, but the one thing that I do want to pull, pull out, uh, point out is so Jocko kind of relates to them, the story that we talked about at the beginning of the episode and saying how young seals tend to go into the, uh, into missions and they try to plan for every contingency possible because they're they're like they want success they want to succeed and everything and the but the unfortunate part is you cannot plan for every contingency like it's just impossible and what um what jocko points out is and i like this the phrase this phrase a lot is that the enemy gets a say as well um it's all a part of the whole oh, oh geez i'm going to butcher this um no plan survives first contact with the enemy like no plan ever does and that's that whole uh, concept of the enemy gets to say as well they get to throw in their little thing um phil pointed out like hey even though that mission at the beginning they were just going 200 meters out and and back um they the the enemy stepped in and 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 took advantage of them and said yeah here's somebody who's going to experience let's give them hell so they did and and yeah that's very much true in war but it's also true in business and and the enemy in business is not necessarily going to be like your competitor or your um it well, the, the enemy in business is definitely not your client or your customer they are never look at them as the enemy um except for the disgruntled ones they're the ones who want to you know, come in and then dictate to you how you do your business. Um, those are the enemy. The uh, But it's kind of like circumstances. It's what we're going through right now, the supply chain issues and stuff. That's the enemy. The supply chain here in the U.S. is pretty effed up right now. And that's the enemy. Just having that up, having that understanding is... That's okay. Trump's fault. And Putin. <laughs> I can't continue. <laughs> it just comes from Sorry. Right in. Um, yeah. It's just, that's like those, those types of things. Inflation. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that it's the fed. Um, I don't know. I can't really throw out much <laughs> more than what you've done already. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a Parmesan cheese. <laughs> it's a sp- <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. It's a oil cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was weird. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to dive into that one, please. Not right now. That that just was weird. That's all I'm going to say. Um. So the whole so they get a say like the enemy gets a say so the supply having the supply chain all all over the place gets a say in how you are going to run your business because now you have to approach how you are running your business with that in mind so uh like if I wanted to get fit, like Phil's in a, in a country that it's really hard to get certain things to him so if I wanted to get something to him I have to take that into account and so I have to have plan for that and I have to have, but it also has to be simple and and everything so anyway all right have we uh, beat this to death I don't know yeah I think we hit the big stuff I cool. I, ha- I have some you know comments that are probably not for general consumption them <laughs> But I got, I got better ones. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, all right, all right, folks, we are going to uh, take a take a minute, and we're going to transition over to the uh, to the paywall side. So, um, yeah, talk to you later. Thanks for joining us. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode, but our discussion didn't end here. We actually went on for another hour or so. If you would like to hear the rest of that discussion or the full unedited podcast, please head on over to two dudes with an opinion.locals.com. That's two, the number two, dudes with an opinion.locals.com. And for just the price of a cup of coffee, you can hear that full, unedited version. And if you want to talk to Phil and I directly, uh, just buy us a, you know, trip to McDonald's. That's it. That's all we ask. Anyway, if you enjoyed this and like what we are doing, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us in the charts. If you didn't enjoy it, well, well, I'm sorry. You can just drop Phil a line and, and let him know what you what you thought. And his uh, email is in the podcast notes. So just let him know. He likes to hear from you. Before you go, please hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode from us. Otherwise, you can find all of our social media uh, in the podcast notes if you want to connect us with us there. If you do all that, we'll continue bringing you these great episodes, these great discussions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later.